Everybody to the tag, you're it podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am David Van Bever. And we have with us this evening two, count them two, fellowship of the tag folks here. How are you guys doing tonight, Josh and Brandon? I'm doing good. Glad to be here again. Oh, yes. And so I know it's, we've had Josh, we've had you on recently. Um, but Brandon, if you, if you could just kind of reintroduce yourself, cause it's been a while since you've been on the show. I know, uh, uh, we've probably gained some new listeners, uh, since the last time you were on. Um, yeah. So my name is Brandon, husband of one father to eight. I, uh, served with Joshua at Hope Baptist church. I also, uh, because Hope Baptist meets in the afternoons, I actually serve at another church in the mornings called Mount Sinai Baptist church there. Uh, and clever and that keeps me very busy so thank you guys for your service to your churches and uh just uh leading them and shepherding them as god has would have you um csb says it that way and i think that's a pretty cool cool way as god would have you thank you for serving your church but uh anyway um that being said serving the church doing what god is having us to do uh we wanted to have a awesome episode uh this evening and talk about christendom and that's a that's a big word um it could be an ambiguous word or maybe a word you've not heard of before and uh if you get if you hang around these uh hope baptist boys a lot anyway you're gonna hear it and uh josh you have uh you know i think last year at the god and government conference you know for christendom that was sort of a a cry from last year and so we will get into uh there is a conference coming up and we'll get into some of those details here in a little bit um but let's talk about christendom and uh my screen kind of turned off so let me uh, turn it back on and get in there so you guys uh I, I don't know i don't want to butt in on dave here if he's got anything to kind of talk about no man go for it it's good. no man all right so all right well anyway let's dig into this um so again last year with the god and government conference and this upcoming conference coming up you're doing it you know a little bit more over a year later from the last conference but last year's cry for christendom and so i wanted to talk with you guys about that leading into the conference that's coming up um why for Christendom? What is Christendom? You guys uh, have some fun. Yeah, so I'll start off and give an answer to that. I remember um, a year or two ago before our first conference, there was a big kind of trend or theme of certain evangelicals who were um, criticizing the Bible Belt of the Midwest of America because they were talking about all the negative things about a Christian culture or a Christian society that the Bible had or has. And certainly there are problems in the Bible belt. However, it really, it, it struck a nerve with me because you realize what is the opposite? What is the other option? If we don't have a Christian society or Christian culture, what is it going to be? And we're seeing it right now, the great divide in the United States culturally secularism, humanism, statism is rearing its ugly head in all forms of depravities and harm against people. 
And so just when I use the word Christendom, what I'm getting at is the idea that I want, we ought to be aiming for a Christian society or a society in which um, people in their respective spheres, whether it's the roles of government or the church or education or business or the economy or art, media, people in all these different spheres are all seeking to uh, execute their duties based upon Christian principles. And so when you have a society where all these spheres are generally speaking, acting in a Christian way, according to Christian principles, you begin to have, you know, a Christian culture, what we could call Christendom. So that's just kind of the basic for, uh, I don't know if Brandon has anything to add no, on. I mean, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, uh, we don't, nobody means that only Christians can live in the culture or, um, uh, or that uh, the church should run the state or anything like that. We believe in strong jurisdictional boundaries, um, just that everybody in every sphere of life pledges allegiance to the king to king jesus and so um and then of course we want eventually every person to be a christian so that's what you that's the four in the four christendom that's what we're working yes yeah yes if you look up one more thing on here if you look up uh, if you just do like a google search like if you do uh christendom definition and you search that on google I don't know if it's Miriam Webster or what it pops up, but like one of the first definitions that pops up is very short and I really like it. It just says the prevailing of Christianity. Hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. That is what we ought to be striving toward is to see Christianity prevail or win or be successful in every place and land on this globe. And that comes from, preaching the gospel, applying the word of God to these er areas of life. And uh, that that's what we want to see is Christianity prevail. That sounds so backward to modern evangelicalism. You, mm -hmm. I know you realize that. And so <laughs> my question would be, why is this not a more popular concept? What is preventing people from embracing this idea? pessimism <laughs> we don't we don't believe that christianity can prevail or will prevail and so uh it causes us to not work toward um uh seeing that happen that's a big piece of it for sure yeah and i think another another piece of it too is a lot of uh, of baggage that may come with a term like christendom mm. or even like theonomy or other similar terms there can be baggage with those because of abuses in the past or maybe wrong ways that people have applied them or used them and so a lot of times it can just be reactionary where you are assuming definitions or you're assuming intentions or end goals when that's not really what's being uh meant or promoted yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because uh, that, that's where it gets into the next thing here is because um, I've seen I've seen you as well, uh, Josh, uh, you said, you know, we need a Christendom 2.0. Right. <laughs> there, there, so so if you say I need we need a Christendom 2.0, that's implying, you know, and presupposing that there is 
Christendom 1.0. And so you talked about, you know, there's way things have worked out in the past or, or something like that. You know, what was Christendom 1.0? Why do we need a Christendom 2.0? Yeah. So, I mean, historically, when you look at the way the world has gone since the, the, uh, the, uh, the book of Acts and the ministry of the apostles that they laid down, slowly over the centuries, Christianity, of course, began to expand and go throughout the whole world. And it began to change cultures and societies and change governments. It changed everything. And, you know, you look at, you know, it's different, different people will define eras of Christendom differently. And so I don't care to fight the historians on it, but, you know, like in the medieval ages, um, you had not secular nations uh, fighting atheist nations, uh, you know, fighting, you know, the religion of science nations. You had Protestant nations fighting Catholic nations, Protestants fighting Protestants. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the point is you had in the societies, they all believed in God. They believed um, it was it was very Christian in a lot of ways. There were a lot of corruptions, a lot of problems. And that kind of led up to the reformation of the 16th century which led up to eventually 100 or 200 years later the puritans which led up to america's founding and so there was sort of this um whole view of of christianity that founded the world in which we live but we don't even know a lot of the history a lot of people and so but it's clear i think the reason we don't know that is because that old christendom wherever you mark its start or its end has ended now. We don't live in predominantly a society, Christian societies with Christian nations. And so uh, that's why that one's ended. So let's build another one. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so are you kind of uh, implying then, um, you know, like what, what I guess in the secular mindset you'd call like Western westernized civilization yeah. would you uh, equivocate that to christendom in some way or like how would you answer that sort of question certainly a lot of overlap i don't know if i would exactly call it equal but certainly overlap i think western civilization cannot happen without the foundation of christianity and objective truth so i don't know if that helps you know, that was a big piece of it was just that uh, um, you had a whole a whole uh, continent almost seeking to try to apply the word of God to every area of life and every, uh, you know, jurisdiction or sphere of life. And uh, that just necessarily impacts um, it, it, every um, institution and um, you know, all, all culture, culture is always downstream from worldview. Uh, so, uh, you know, as, as Western culture became, uh, something that we could, you know, stereotypically talk about, um, as having certain kind of markers, um, most of those were inherited from, um, people who, who, you know, were Christians, who were trying to apply the word of God all of life. And so we can have quarrels with um, 
the decisions that they made or how they went about it at times in order to do that. But that's part of why uh, 1.0 uh, ended. And so we needed 2.0, but we also just want to do it better. Yeah. And so like, where are you guys, uh, I guess, making that line of decar, like, you know, you, you say you don't want to fight, uh, you know, the other historians and stuff like that, but, you know, just to, to get into your guys' mindset here, um, where, where does it end? Like, where did it end? What's going on with that end of, uh, what Christendom is? Hmm. Well, I mean, you can, you can trace a trail of continuing Western civilization, Christendom, if you will, at least to the founding of of america some people would say you know like the constitution was the great compromise it was all downhill from there um, because it wasn't as um explicitly christian as it could have been um and certainly you see historically it really wasn't long after the constitution was ratified that the american society began to downgrade I would, I, you know, I, I would probably say somewhere in there and then officially ending at the civil war. That's what I was going to. Yeah. So Hmm. I would say it stretched out to to the civil war and there were a lot of vestiges in individual States um, Mm -hmm. um, because not to get too much into just American history, but you know, one of the big things that the civil war did was, um, may you know caused caused people to not think primarily um in term you know in national identity or or um, physical identity having to do with their state but having to do with the the whole country and so there were certain distinctives that missouri had or virginia had um and those started getting washed away um as as the nation kind of started swallowing up and national identity as a whole started swallowing that up and so um, that was part of what led to, and we need to have a national identity. And so if we have a national identity, then that requires more compromise than it does at a local level. So that was part of it too, just um, the movement uh, away from, you know, local and, uh, you know, where I can, you know, I, I can know, you know, that I have a Christian culture in my town. I can't know that I have a Christian culture three states away. It's, it's harder for me to be able to measure that and so when those things were prioritized or prized or uh, lifted up as as um, hallmarks of what it means to be an American <clears throat> over a Missourian, you know, or over a Virginian, uh, then that probably just influ- that probably just led to people not thinking as much about the distinctives, you know, like Joshua talked about the Constitution was not an explicitly Christian document, but many state constitutions were explicitly Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was just because the federal government was, even when it, at the founding, it was uh, very limited in role and jurisdiction and responsibility and state governments had a lot more leeway in what they could or couldn't do because they had a smaller body of people that they were trying to govern. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is a, uh you know, part of the conference uh, that, you know, again, I don't want to get into the conference quite yet, but I mean, this is a, if if you, whenever we get there, uh, the big thing is overcoming the false religion of statism. And so you're really kind of touching in like you guys have uh, really prepared yourself (laughs) for the, for the upcoming coming conference uh, against statism. And I know Brandon, I think it was you right in the, uh, at the abolition rally, you mentioned the whole uh, car ride conversation with Francis Schaefer. Wasn't that you? 
Mm, no, or somebody, somebody did. I, I think it that was Josh? Brett, but I don't. I don't oh, I Brett. Brett. Okay. <laughs> okay. I okay. Well, I know there's two people that talked about Francis Schaefer, and one of them was me. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I was intently listening. It's just there was so much good stuff there, and I didn't know if that was you um, talking about that. Sure. But yeah, just, yeah, state, yeah, statism, and uh, just you know, when did that creep into America, and when that when did that creep into? Um, Oh, I guess the the Western sort of thing. And we're seeing that in Canada right now, for sure, which was also, you know, with us, you know, they, they have Puritans there as well, you know, across the border. And then you see, see all that coming in. Well, you but, know, uh, our, our liberal, um, you know, whatever pe- people on the other side of the aisle from, from what we would call ourselves, you know, conservative and liberal are, are frustrating terms, but whatever we are, people on the other side of the aisle, um, they would certainly say, I mean, we're, we're hearing it all the time. Western culture is a product of white supremacy or, or, or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different things to get called, but um, they're all, they all just recognize they're very, our opponents are very open and honest about the fact that Western culture and much of what America was founded on was Christian principles and biblical worldview principles. So, um, you know, I want to be at least as honest as they're being. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so we talked about, uh, you know, what is Christendom and, uh, there was a Christendom in the past and there's, you know, those problems and stuff like that, but it, it had been there. We're on the decline. And so because of that decline, you know, be one of the issues of statism that, uh, the conference is going to be about, and we can talk about, um, especially then. Um, but what, what are you looking for? So we're saying for Christendom, what are you looking for? What, what is this uh, supposed to, uh, look like? Yeah, so I would say, first and foremost, uh, what we're looking for has to be informed by what our marching orders are, what our job is as Christians, and that is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it begins with the preaching of the gospel and baptizing people as they're converted, and through people being converted— we disciple, we teach them everything that Jesus commanded. We don't just teach them justification by faith alone. That's fundamental. It's so vital and important. We never move on from loving and learning more about our justification and believing it, but we're to teach all that Jesus commanded and teach them how to obey it. And so the Bible is all of Jesus' word, not just the red letters. And so we want to apply it to every area. So that means as we're discipling individual people, I may be discipling someone who's making music or someone else who's a politician or someone else who is, you know, in in business of some kind. And the way that the word of God is going to apply to their life and their responsibilities and endeavors is going to be unique and specific to those duties they have. And so Really, we want, to, we want to see people in all these spheres of life doing it unto the glory of God in obedience to the scripture. And when there's enough people doing that, then you will have, even though not every single person will be converted in a society, you will have a Christian culture. You'll have a society which is uh, governed by principles because societies and, you know, Henry Van Til said that culture was the religion externalized Mm -hmm. and so every culture is the outworking of a group of people's religion 
And so whatever the group of people, whatever their religion is, where the group is, uh, it's going to come out in the culture. So if, if that makes any sense. Totally so makes I, sense. Yeah. So I don't want to steer the conversation in a new direction here. And I also don't want to trivialize anything, but there's a few things that in my mind I'm, I'm thinking through. Uh, when you speak about the old Christendom and you kind of say, hey, that ends, you know, shortly after the Civil War. And, and I, I agree with you on that. When you look uh, at someone like Mark Knoll's book, uh, The Civil, Civil War, uh, a, uh, uh, his book about the Civil War and Theology in Crisis, I think that was the Civil War Theology in Crisis, right? Uh, you look at the way that the generals uh, wrote letters to their families and to their folks back home, full of Christian language, full of Christian thought. And then I look at something like Neil Postman's book, uh, Entertaining Ourselves to Death. And Postman would say that there has been this trend in society where we've moved from a, uh, what he'd say, a typographic society where we thought in written text, even when we spoke, it was a written text format. And that very much gave way to not only the Protestant Reformation, but then even the founding of America. Now we've moved into a different type of, of society where technology has changed the way people process information. You know, uh, all I have to do is thinking about uh, Carl Truman's The Rise of uh, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, right? Uh, which is a book I have here in my lap as I was kind of thinking through some of the things that you're saying. It's behind me How, right now too. What's that? It's behind me right now too. Yeah, I still got it's, it. it's good. And, and mm -hmm. I, I just read this yesterday. So, I mean, I, I, finished, I read it on book. Saturday. Uh, such a great book. I'd read it about 15 years ago. And so my mind is thinking about media and culture and this new Christendom and the challenges of reestablishing this as I believe scripture points to, this is gonna happen, right? Uh, how are some of the ways that we can individually in our homes begin to be counter-cultural because that is what this technology crisis has promoted and over uh, a toppling of hierarchical structures, right? Uh, when we think about Christendom, how uniquely as Christians promoting this new Christendom, what are some of the fronts that we're going to have to combat and be prepared to combat? Well, I mean, family, you know, you, you just said, I mean, just uh, the assault on the family is just uh, so, I mean, it's been rampant forever. So, I mean, it, you know, in some sense, everything that we've said so far, any decent Christian is going to agree with and want to see happen. Um, I think, I think, the difference is just like what you said, David, that we believe it's going to happen. And, uh, and, and that just gives us uh, motivation to work toward it. But the fronts that we're fighting on are really um, reclaiming basically the, the three spheres of, of life, right? So church, family, government, right? Church, family, state. Um, and so individuals um, need to be discipling their families uh, bringing, bringing their, <laughs> uh, bringing their, their moms home and bringing their kids home. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, especially if we want to talk about statism, which I won't jump too far ahead, but, um, <laughs> you know, the first thing in one of the first things we have to do in defeating statism is, is, um, remove ourselves from the utter dependence that we have on 
uh, the state. And so that comes from uh, bringing our, our families home and uh, discipling them and, and then uh, working out from there. And so, I mean, that's, uh, there's not much bigger that, I mean, if, if somebody was just going to ask me what's one thing that we could do to uh, save America from statism, it would be bring our families home. Bring our children home. And that's something like when I and I love looking at demographic uh, projections uh, concerning re- rate of replacement birth. Right. The birth rate of replacement. Yeah. When I look at that, I see nothing but God's kingdom reigning. Right. Mm. Because the culture of death, they eat their babies. Right. Yeah. I mean, they literally mm-hmm. eat their babies and they're glad to do it. And then they 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 tell everyone how great it is and everyone else should do it. But in our culture right now, people who are serious about their relationship with the Lord are doing the things that you've just said there. Like, I see that as a rising trend, right? Yeah. I mean, all I had to do was go to that abolitionist rally on the state capitol and see how many of these families have kids. Oh, wait, everyone there. And many of them are starting young, right? Yeah. They're 18 and 19 and they're married and they're getting ready to have their first kid and they're going to have kids for another 15 years. Right. Uh, That is demonstrating not only a trust that God has called us to shoot our arrows into the next generation, which is, I believe, such a biblical piece. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that's part of where this whole concept, at least in my mind, the hope is that comes in. You know, again, just speaking of current events, and I know this will be out for quite a while. But, you know, last week when Russia invaded Ukraine, I said, oh, well, there's absurdity killing itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and I still I'm like, oh, why all these people, because, you know, God bless many of the folks in my church. Uh, they have very view, very different views on eschatology. And I'm always able to say, no, um, the gospel says God will win. Uh, and I can see the futility of running on all these different eschatological tracks and the fear that that creates in folks. When we think Christendom, we're thinking of God's kingdom reigning. And that should be incredibly inviting to individuals. Yes, Christ said his kingdom would reign, and it's going to go out throughout all the earth. Uh, for me, in a different pastoral setting than, uh, than you all are, because not everyone here is, is a theonomist, right? What are some ways that someone like me could begin to promote this, this concept in a way that would be from the ground level up, if that makes any sense? Well, so I'll, I'll definitely let Joshua jump in here too. I would just say, you know, um, <clears throat> if if the word, you know, theonomy or Christendom or whatever, if all we're talking about is is uh, the, the Bible applied jurisdictionally to every area of life, then uh, um, the, the goal would be basically a three-pronged uh, strategy, right? So I want to... Um, I want to do the things that I mentioned about my family. Um, if, if, if culture is always downstream from worldview, uh, worldview is always downstream from worship mm-hmm. and, uh, and reformation of worship is, uh, um, a major pro- a major, uh, hurdle that, that Christians need to, to move through. You know, we have just, uh, idolized really wicked worship practices and uh um let them slide in and creep into our church i mean 
we we allow statism in our church when we do things like have entire services dedicated to we sing songs like America, America, you know, God shed his grace on thee. And it's great that we're asking God to shed his grace on America, but we're singing in church to our country instead of singing to uh, Christ. Um, and so uh, re reformation of the family, reformation of worship. And then the last piece, although it is an incredibly important piece, the last piece is uh, reformation um, in government. But mm -hmm. that one really, the other two, are, we, we all want to talk about government, but the other two are, are much more vitally important. So, yeah, I mean, if I was talking to a pastor, if I was talking to a, a businessman, I would say uh, go to a church that prizes biblically faithful worship and uh uh, bring your bring your children's mom home and bring your children home and and uh, I'll be here to help you work out all the logistical details of any of that. Yeah, and I mean, I just wanted to bring into that because you got your three prong and you said that's the last piece, but you know, you have the reformation of the family, you have the reformation of worship, and the thing is, is people are hearing us from a different worldview, saying the government as a system, yeah, is bad. It's like, no, no, the system is good. And actually our system of government is very good because we see it in the pages of where scripture, right? And so we see, we see that the, the, uh, the, the fact of men are sinners. So we put little circles around certain people and then they all have to work together and keep each other in check. Great because of total depravity. So maybe, uh, you know, we have a very Calvinistic system here in <laughs> America <laughs> because we recognize the total depravity of man, um, in, in, in the whole issue. And so, but, you know, don't hear us saying that this government, again, we believe as what, uh, we heard about last year at the, at the government conference, you know, God has ordained government. Mm -hmm. So government is good. And he ordained it at the Noah covenant for sure whenever he, there's an altar and then there was a law yeah. to govern man. And so there was a government installed um, and it's good if they follow God. So, you know, if you reform the family, if you reform worship, what are you going to get since government, we're not talking as a system, we're talking about people who yeah. come together. So if you reform the family and you reform worship, this is where Douglas Wilson says, what are you going to do when the King repents? Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to Jonah, you know, he got ticked off, but what are we going to do? Are we going to be ticked off whenever they repent and start acting like Christians, like people that are government people. And then they have to make laws in line with their convictions and they can't sign us something into law that's against their convictions. So then what happens? Chris and them. Christendom. <laughs> yes. <we're> Christendom. <laughs> and so, yeah, but I think, I think that might be the disconnect is because we're, we're going into a world where it's, they have a different worldview. So we can't agree with them on definitions. Right. And so this is where, again, this is a whole system thing. Presuppositionalism is the key apologetic because you got to realize they're not going to come with the same definition as you. And so you have to take a step back and take a step back into to have the conversation or whatever. So I just wanted to make sure that people hear you correctly, Brandon. Um, and what makes sense of the fact that government doesn't, it's the last thing. These things are more important. It's because we have to create, we have to make the disciples, the individuals that end up in 
the government positions. I don't know if you have anything more to say on that. No, that's yeah, that's I want to disciple my leaders. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to jump in real quick and just add a historical example. You guys have been talking about the three spheres of of government, you know, uh, you know, civil government, family government, church government. And those things have, are the foundation of, of Christendom. And I want to I want to give an example to you. If we take the view that, you know, the civil war around that time was basically the downfall, the end of the first Christendom or a Christendom. Um, what we see during the Civil War era is those three institutions being undermined. Yeah. What you had in the North during that time, not just the North, but particularly the North, historically this is accurate, the churches were becoming very, very liberal. There were universalism was rampant. They were apostatizing mm -hmm. from their Puritan grandparents. So the churches were apostatizing around that time. You had, uh, of course, you know, um, issue of statism where the government was violating its contract via the constitution with the states by not allowing secession. Obviously, I'm not talking about any of the slavery issues, but secession was a constitutional agreement that the states made and the North overasserted its authority Okay, that's statism, whether mm -hmm. we like the end result or not. Right. And then the family, um, when the North, when the war was over, uh, R.L. Dabney, who is a Southern Reformed Presbyterian minister, um, you know, there's he's a mixed bag as, as far as a character of history. But one of the things he said, which was so prophetic, you know, lower P prophetic, the North came into the South and began institu instituting public schools for the first time in the South. And Dabney said, you can read it now. Uh, I really can't impress publishes his thoughts on education. But he said the public schools will be, I can't remember his exact words, but they'll be the breeding ground for the largest resurgence of atheism and feminism that we've ever seen. And that is exactly the fruits of what we have today. And so I like, I like how you said, and I said that like a resurgence of it. So it's nothing new. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting that, you know, we can get back there and we just, we're, we're floundering here. Like history's never said anything before mm -hmm. we don't learn from it. But then again, that's what we're offered is a worldview that revises all that kind of stuff. And he goes, Oh no, this is brand new. Like we get modernism. <laughs> you know, everything's new and improved and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's, that's interesting, but yep. That's uh, why, again, we got to bring our kids home, teach them and uh, make them disciples. And again, like Dave's mentioned, you know, the Bible calls them arrows in your quiver. Yeah. Shoot them out into the future. And then they have their own little arrows and they shoot them out into the future. And again, we're all uh, long gamers here. So <laughs> good company in there. And this is really funny also, just as a little, uh, um, funny quip anyway, you just said North a lot, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. rest in peace. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if uh, this this is not a picture of Josh. So if you're new to the Taggart <laughs> podcast, that is not Josh Jenkins. That is Gary North, and uh, he is a uh, theonomist, economics dude. Um, please get on like Gary Demar's podcast. Uh, you'll see a lot of Gary North on there. He's got a collection of books. Um, I've got a really good book, like just a good 
introduction into that would be getting the Genesis commentary just to understand like their economics in the old Testament and uh, just using scripture to interpret scripture. um, Just seeing uh, economics in scripture and how God would want us to be economical (laughs) in in that sense. And, and putting economics underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ, ultimately, since he's the one that reveals the God um, that created and because God, the father created through everything through Jesus Christ, but, you know, but, um, you know, Gary North, that's his picture up there with the blue eyes, you know, laser lasering into you as Josh speaks anyway. So I just had, to, I hadn't mentioned that yet. And I was like, yeah, there might be some new people that are like that, that, that doesn't look like a, if I go to the fellowship of the tag on their website, that's not Josh Jenkins. <laughs> can I add one more thing there since yeah, you go mentioned Gary North, mm-hmm. he's got a book called healer of the nations and it's yes. a book on what Christian foreign policy ought to look like. And that has a lot of ideas of what an, another Christendom might look like. Mm-hmm. One of the things he says in there, you know, one of the things our founders of the United States uh, said was they did not want us to be heavily have all these alliances all over all over the globe because they saw that as entangling. We could easily get involved in world wars. And that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. And Gary North says, you know, yeah, that's a great idea to stay away from entangling alliances. But then he says. What we ought to do is use it as a tool when other nations want to align with us, which they will when we have prosperity and blessing, if God would give that. Mm-hmm. We should use it as a tool and say, all right, we will make an alliance with you um, if you allow safe passage for missionaries and you allow our missionaries to establish churches, preach the gospel openly in your nation, assuming this is a non-Christian nation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we align with other Christian nations. But that was just an interesting thought as we think about the idea of Christendom. Yeah, and you see that in the Old Testament. So, again, it always comes down to, um, you know, the, what was written in the past is supposed to instruct us in the future. And in the worldview that God has revealed himself, like history is linear and we can learn things. And there's things that are, we he's given us the scriptures to be able to interpret the times. That's why I had to, like, I made a post after things going on. It's like, you know, because everybody's going to go to this uh, dispensational, okay, Russia, Ezekiel thing. And I'm going like, no, I interpret the times. Jesus is ruling and reigning and, and, and until all his enemies are underneath his feet. And so if he's got enemies and he's crushing them, what is it going to look like on earth? It's going to look bad. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It doesn't doesn't uh, keep Jesus from being a ruler and a reigner. No, 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 no. There's enemies that are being crushed. There's things that are shaking right now so that things that can be shaken are gone and what can remain remains. Jesus said that the church ain't going away. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's nothing but hope um, to be had. I've had to repent of a lot of pessimism in my past, and I have to look at this, you know, and, and so again, we have to do this with scripture and, uh, and, and, and find all this stuff out. That's what Gary North has done. And so whenever we're talking about making alliances, that's look at Israel. There's a lot of, na- they were a nation that was supposed to bring in the nations. Yes, they did it through war. And God did that as judgment on the land that, you know, the flood happened. They were still wicked. God was judging those nations. He, you know, the, the fullness of the Amalekites finally happened and God used Israel to judge them and stuff like that. But then after the fact, you start seeing nations coming in and going like, I want to covenant with you. So instead of saying a word alliance, 
let's make that just a little bit more easier for our Christianese. That's a covenant. They made an oath. And so we're just continuing on the same thing that we've been instructed to do, but it's with the new Israel, the church that is built up of all nations and not just one nation now. So that's, that should be simple enough if you've read. And so again, we need kids, fathers reading the Bible to their kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, comes down to the reformation of worship and the reformation of the individuals and all that kind of stuff and, and going. And yeah, so we just finally came in full circle <laughs> through all that. So, but yeah, I get a little, I'm sorry, getting a little preachy, but yeah, it's exciting talking about it. And I'm glad that hopefully we can make a resource because nobody else is in our area, especially in our Baptist circles. Um, Walk me through you know. real quick, kind of the layout of the conference and who is speaking and kind of the specific topics, if you don't mind, because yeah, and let, let we me, always uh, want to do the best we can to promote that component. Yeah, so I, let me uh, share the flyer here real quick. Um, get it on that screen anyway. So we have, um, yeah, we're we're into. Let's talk about the Christendom Conference. So we got the Christendom Conference: Overcoming the False Religion of Statism. It is April second, twenty twenty-two, and it begins at eight fifteen a.m. And it's off of. Uh, see, it's fifty ten South State Highway, FF Battlefield, Missouri. And this is a first Baptist battlefield, right? First Baptist battlefield. Yep. All righty. So that's happening again, April 2nd. So we got uh, just over a month until it happens. So yes, as Dave had asked, you know, what's going on, who's speaking, give us the whatnot on that. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to be preaching uh, to start it off. I'm just going to be kind of laying the foundations, defining our terms, showing sadism to be a religion and then talking about the theological definitive defeat that Christ has dealt to it, that we uh, work toward, uh, you know, that we're working uh, from and toward. And then Brandon's going to be preaching. He kind of got at some of his themes on uh, specifically talking about how we overcome statism through w- right worship of God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fundamental. We cannot have, uh, we cannot defeat the dragon without worshiping our king rightly and so he's going to be talking about that and then we're going to get into specific issues and areas after that which i think will be really really exciting a lot of people will be interested in these things i don't remember the exact order but we've got jared sparks coming down he's a pastor at christ church in carbondale illinois he's a good reformed baptist post mill guy and he's going to be talking a lot about um, uh, overcoming medical tyranny, because that's one thing we've seen a lot of the last few years. And he's been really solid on that over these two years in in teaching his church and in his podcasts and stuff. So he's going to do a good job. Then we've got... um, Daniel's next. Okay, yeah. And then uh, Daniel McFall is a member of our church, and he is... uh, He's a businessman and he's 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 a business owner and he's done a lot of things like that with uh, finances and money. And so he's going to be talking about how we overcome inflation, um, because that is something that has been a result of statism over overreaching Fed. And then the last talk is from Ian Garris, who is another member of our church, local farmer, Christian agrarian, talking about food tyranny and how we can overcome that. And that's an area a lot of people don't realize how much uh, federal tentacles are in our food. 
and uh, he's going to be exposing some of that, and it's going to be good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. If I could, I mean, I want people to show up at eight fifteen, but if for some reason people couldn't show up until later, you know, you 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 do not. They're all gonna they're all gonna be good, you know. But you do not want to miss what uh, what Ian has to say on food because um, probably everything else, most of us at least are like. Yeah, I've got some agreement. I, you know, I look at that, you know, yeah, we need to worship better. Yeah, we need less medical tyranny. We need less um, government, you know, intervention in our, in our money and and things like that. But few people, like Joshua said, few people are thinking about food tyranny. Um, And uh, there's some really, really, really important things there for sure. So you will not want to miss that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, last year, guys, uh, whenever we had the uh, God and government conference, it was a wonderful time. Um, I know that harsh things were said and, you know, that truth is bold and everything like that, but it was a, it was a timely conference, especially after, um, uh, especially after, you know, just going through the whole COVID stuff and, and just getting a group of people to go like, here's what the government is. Like we need to define these things and have a community that knows the definition of what government is, what its jurisdiction is, um, what you are to do as a citizen and just all, again, all those different spheres and how they relate to, you know, America. Cause I know that as a theonomist, I've been told, you know, this only works, that only works if you're an American. I'm like, no, it works differently in a different sort of system of government, but government is government and people are people and, uh, God has ordained them all. <laughs> and, and so, you know, this, these things work, they're universal principles, um, that we have to, to go and bring into the circumstance. So again, just like the regulative principles, kind of how I have, um, talk to people, you have the principle, you have the circumstance and yeah, there's charity, um, when it comes to the circumstance and whatnot, but you have to be strong on the principle, but that was a wonderful conference. And I know that, uh, this will be another good, informative, just hard truth, uh, conference. And, uh, the cool thing is Dave and I will be there again. Um, we'll be hosting the Q and a time again. Um, I've been told, you know, just thank you, um, over the year through, uh, other people just saying, Hey, you guys did a good job. Thank you for doing that. And so I appreciate, uh, the feedback, um, that we're able to actually, um, be of service outside of a podcast world or anything like that, but, uh, just be able to take this, what we're doing here, bring it in a live situation with people talking. So I'm excited about being there with you guys. And I know I'll get to see my buddy Dave in person there. That's right. (laughs) Great. Yeah. So so. tell me just a little bit again. uh, I, I hope that anyone who is listening is interested. How do they register? What's the cost? What, uh, what do they need to bring with them? Or, you know, those kind of things. So you'll want to go, sorry. No, you got it. Okay, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll want to go to our church website, which is hopebaptistspringfield.com slash conference. We'll take you directly to the conference page, hopebaptistspringfield.com slash conference. Please register there. The conference is provided free of charge, so you don't have to uh, pay any money. It's free. We want everybody who can make it to be there. But please register because we're also providing lunch free of mm-hmm. charge and we need numbers you know, as best we can get them to prepare uh adequately and i will say this lunch is going to be absolutely delicious mm-hmm. it will be prepared by our local christian agrarian who'll be talking he'll be in charge of preparing that as well and 
let's just say I've had some of the meats that he has butchered and prepared and uh, I can't eat anything else. It's so good. Yeah. So you want to be there, sign up so you can get some food. Hey, if it's better than last year, that's going to be awesome because the food that you guys had last year, I think it will be I think he's raising the bar. Oh man, if he's going to raise the bar, then you guys go for the food and then stay for the information, and then you'll find out the information is better than the food. But they're both awesome. How about that? Sure. And could you give me some idea projections wise already? Have you had a good response on uh, people signing up for it? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, pr- presently it's already, um, basically about where we were attendance wise last year. And so, uh, and we're still a month out. So yeah. Praise the Lord. Great. Well, guys, hey, me- I am so grateful for all that you have been doing. I don't want to cut anybody off on anything by the way, either. So, uh, Adam, do we have, what else do we need to get to, uh, topic wise and functionally to make I sure mean, we're getting things informed. Yeah. As far as the information that goes, you know, I just, uh, just, I wanted to get the definition. I wanted to mm-hmm. see where you guys are at, what you're preaching um, and what you're trying to call people to and win people over to. And I think we've hit those definitions and everything. And I know um, the reaction can go either way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if behind my chair, you know, I use the term theocracy all the time and people, <laughs> And I'm just like, but it's what you want, isn't it? Like, what do you think eternity is going to be? So why are you jumping at the term? Well, we just can't make everybody. I'm like, but what if you disciple people who make disciples and then we have a long time and then say you have a relatively high ratio of people who've been discipled and then you have them again in your families. Um, in the state, in the church, and they're, you know, and and they're doing this Christian thing using Christian definitions, all that kind of stuff. What do you have? What do you have? And they're like, oh, so yes, there are terms that come with baggage. And is the problem the term? No CRT folks, no, no critical theory folks. No, no, no. The term is not the problem. We are, and we need to slow down and we need to have conversations and we need to recognize the image bears that we all are and be gracious to one another and talk and to be able to do this right. So, you know, and the ones that we can, the people that we can do this with at first starts in the household. We need to repent and watch the world and let the world see us here. We, we say this all the time. Everybody's out there is watching us, but we're not repenting. So what are they going to, what, what they, what aren't they going to do? They're not going to repent either. If we're not repenting, they're not going to repent. Right. And, you know, it, and I know it's another hard saying, but the culture is a report card of the church. What does the culture look like? Does it look like the church? So are we discipling people? You know, and that's convictional to me. I'm not saying that as, again, I, I can't say any of this as I'm Mr. Righteous. No, not at all. But it's stuff that I've had to sit under and hear and go, we have messed up christendom 1.0 is dead if not just if it's not dying it is dead but christendom can die that's fine the church doesn't die christ is still ruling and reigning he still has a people you know if you're the only one alone that feels alone you know again um no god still has people and uh we're just at a time right now and we don't have to interpret this as doomsday 
Mm. But we know that there's hope. The Bible only speaks of hope. Yes, there's a day that the judgment's coming and the people that are not gods that are rebellious, they're going to not see hope. But there's there's only hope at the end for people who are people of God through Jesus Christ. And so if we're pessimistic, then we're wrong. You're doing it wrong. I had been doing it wrong. So am I going to trust what the Bible says and do it, what the Bible says to do and how to do it? Uh, That's where we need to repent. And so on this issue of Christendom, we need to repent and the church and the church has to do it first. And then you get that out in the culture. But other than that, I mean, I mean, we, we've hit all the, uh, all the things. And I just hope that uh, people hear this and they get edified and um, they start with themselves. They go to their families. They go, I mean, they go to the Bible and uh, okay. Adam says there's hope in the Bible. Okay. Where is it? Okay. Dig. I mean, it's, it's there. It should be easy to find, but are you, is it, are you the problem? The text isn't the problem. You're the problem. So Mm. where's the hope that you need to uh, repent of not seeing or pushing down and hope that you got to accept because Jesus says so. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any concluding thoughts from our fine Taggart fellows. Hey, I just wanted to add one more thing, one more feature of our conference. Yeah. We're going to be specifically uh, emphasizing uh, uh, congregational psalm singing during the conference as well. And one of the reasons uh, for that is we do a lot of psalm singing at our church, but also when you look at reformations that have happened in history, almost always they're accompanied with a return to the church singing the psalms. And I think one of the reasons is, is because one, I think it's a restoration of worship, but also the psalms are not merely just another song. They're songs that God inspired and wrote. They're also prayers petitions. They are cries of victory. They are cries for God to save and judge that Jesus himself, as he sings and prays to the church, sings and prays these songs. And so when we sing the Psalms, we're going to sing a lot about Christ's kingdom ruling over the kings of the earth, Christ Mm. putting enemies under his feet, Psalm 110, Uh, Christ's kingdom extending from sea to sea. So when we're singing these, these are, these are, this is scripture that God gave us to sing. And when God gave us prayers to sing, some of these Psalms are praying songs. He's going to answer those. Mm -hmm. And so these are, I believe the Psalms are effectual prayer songs to God. And so I'm excited to uh, have people learn and participate in that. Oh, yes. And I've, I've benefited much uh, just being around you guys with the psalm singing in front of uh, City Hall and stuff like that. And I know Josh and I, I'm not going to say it, say it what it is, but Josh and I are talking about something. So, uh, you know, the, let that be a cliffhanger that keeps you coming back on uh, Tag Your It podcast, especially when you see uh, Josh pop back up about something <laughs> in the future. But we've been talking about some stuff that would include psalm singing. But yeah, it's, it's been very beneficial. Um, and also, Don Whitney's uh, praying the psalms very great book. And I've spent like, I didn't know as I prayed for an hour once because I sat through a song, a Psalm and, and prayed through it and just kind of contextualized uh, some stuff that I knew was going on in my life, people around me and all that stuff. And it's like, that, did that. that and changed, I didn't really, that book changed it. my life actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That book just utterly changed my life actually. Um, yeah. 
because it it completely changed uh, and and made you know my personal devotions just uh, really real. So yeah, the Psalms yeah. are amazing. They are Christian scriptures. They are Christian mm-hmm. scriptures. The Psalms are. Mm-hmm. A whole Bible is a Christian Bible right. <laughs> for right. Christendom. And I think that's right. a good one to end on. So, but yeah, thank you guys uh, for your time and your just continued uh, just uh, support along with us. So, you know, you guys are part of the tag team and everything. A tag team's not just a two for here. We got more right. and we, we got to get Will back on here as well, but I'm glad to have you, Brandon. Uh, finally, it's been, while, uh, yeah. it's been a while and we need you to interject yourself a little bit more and, and, and then try to, well, and then he, me trying to come up with the have- he does He's have his stuff. booklet that we will yeah. hopefully have ready to go. That is our next mm-hmm. publication process is Brandon's booklet. So hopefully yeah. we'll have it. Out that's soon. the title actually. It just says Brandon's booklet. So oh, okay. mm-hmm. good, yeah. <laughs> number one, number two, the, the black, uh, the, the black album, the white album, that's right. <laughs> we'll just keep it all ambiguous just for fun. But anyway, but yeah, thank you guys for your time and uh, guys just uh, thank you for serving. And uh, you know, again, sharpening me and and dave and sharpening this podcast and uh can't wait for the christendom conference so you know again just to uh reiterate the uh stuff here the christendom conference overcoming the false religion of statism april 2nd 2022 at 8 15 it starts there and it's at first baptist battlefield which is 5010 south state highway ff in battlefield missouri and if you do want the zip code i can tell you it is six five six one nine so um you know for those zippy kind of people there you go that's all the information again there's going to be great uh, speakers there's going to be good food fun fellowship um and just uh opening up the scriptures and sharpening one another and a great q a by two really awesome dudes uh with a panel in tag you're it so again we're we're so happy to be a part of that again and uh Hopefully a uh, third one comes up and we can make it a tradition next year for sure. So, <laughs> but anyway, with that said, this is the tag you're it podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And we got, I'm Brandon. And I'm Joshua. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Yeah.